Anderson ticket talking mother for the figures. That's a comma and a comma and a comma. Gotta get it, get it. Anderson ticket. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the show, everyone. And this week, we are going to be doing a show focused on hip hop, where we talk about all things gangster hip hop, emo rap, conscious, and spoken word. I'm only kidding. <laughs> uh, we are too old for that actually and as usual we'll be chatting all things whiskey i'm das haldane this is not another whiskey podcast and the guy on the other mic from me is of course the one and only mr mitch beshard let's get into it Yes, mate, talking about old, that's a great segue and exactly what we're going to be talking about today with regards to whiskey. Honestly, it's as if, it's as if someone has scripted this, Daz, like the way it, the segues run in there and it's just amazing. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's like, like a... we've got writers for this. Yeah. <laughs> so hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of our little whiskey podcast here. And thanks for tuning in, as always. Uh, to another fine episode from two guys who can sometimes call themselves gentlemen. I, I don't know, Daz, can we pass for that, maybe? I think you may. Um, I've not been called it very often. Fair enough. Mm. <laughs> so if you guys have been listening for a while, then you'll know that Daz and I have been brand ambassadors for a combined age of 30 years. Keep it on the subject of being old. During that time, we've been fortunate, I'd say, and very lucky to try some very old and interesting whiskies, which is the subject we're going to discuss today and get into it a little bit. Yeah, we, we, we have. We've been really lucky to have tasted a lot of rare, aged, super aged, special, special whiskies. But before we start waxing lyrical about the 50, 60, 70, and maybe even 80 year old whiskies, um, you know, we do occasionally sip on the ones that Mr. Mitch uses in his highballs. Let's take stock of this crazy category of whiskey and look at where it all came from. An incredible stat I once heard, right, is that only 1% of whiskey makes it to over 20 years old. Is that, 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 is that actual fact? I don't know if that's fact, but I heard that as well. Yeah. And, you and know, that percentage will decrease, obviously, as, as we go up in age, right? You're going to have tiny, tiny percentages as we go up to the 30s and the 40s and, and th things like that. So... What do you think makes a super-aged whiskey? What's the, what, 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 what qualifies for that, Mitch? I don't know. It's an interesting category. I mean, for me, it's a category that I, I think became aware of with regards to any sort of PR being done on it back in, I think it was 2009, and it was actually right. Glenfiddich 50-year-old, and it was before I worked for uh, Glenfiddich. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing this amazing bottle coming out uh, you know, reading all the chat about how it was a, a hand-blown glass bottle. Uh, I think at the time it was going for about twenty-five or twenty-two thousand pounds for a bottle. Small change, Mister Bishard. Small change for you. I wish, mate. I wish. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's the kind of first time that I was aware of it. Obviously, there was there was whiskies at that age out before that, but I think that was the first time when I saw a brand actively promote this super aged you know category of whiskey mm -hmm. what about you one of my first memories was of tasting something really old was at the, the remember that hotel in um Rotty ferry and andy had it 
Yeah, yeah, him? yeah. What was that called? The Tay something. Yeah, I know that hotel you're talking about. You know about. the one I mean? We need to look I that went up. in, and I was a young uh, guy working for Diageo. I was probably 23. And I went in, and he was brilliant because he he just wanted to help me a little bit and give me a bit more insight in whiskey and, and things like that. So he actually gave me a sip of a Mortlach, what I think was a 50-year-old. And it was a Gordon McPhail bottle, and it mm. was black. The whiskey was actually black. It was it was totally like a big bottle of cola. Um, and I tasted it, and it was horrific. It was like a, a really astringent. You know, it was like it sucked all the moisture out of my face. <laughs> it was so so woody. It was like chewing on the back of a pencil. And I remember it so vividly. And and he, and he was just sort of saying to me, "Look, you know, some of these whiskeys." I was just asking generally. He had an amazing range of whiskeys. Yeah. Remember, he had an yeah. unbelievable collection. I mean, God knows what it would be worth in today's climate, you know, with everything that's gone on over the last 20 years. So, yeah, amazing, amazing stuff. But, yeah, just being overcooked, to be honest. And that was his point. He was like, look, don't always sort of think that old whiskey is better because I saw your eyes immediately go to that bottle as soon as you looked up. I was like, it's funny. Yeah, I did. And he's like, well, you know, it can be overcooked. You need to be careful with some of these older whiskeys. So when you're out there tasting or doing training sessions and things like that, just sort of keep that in mind. And, you know, it's a, a, a little lesson that stayed with me pretty much uh, since then. It was, it was brilliant and very grateful to him for letting me try that. Yeah, 100%, mate. I, you know, and I had I had the same story trying, a, you know, a really old whiskey for the first time. And I just remember thinking, like, it, it's not far off a bourbon that I've tried because it was so oaky and it was so woody. Um, and to your point, it'd been overcooked. And one of my analogies for people when I'm when they're getting into whiskey and I'm talking about age statements is don't always go look for the oldest stuff, you know? Um, it's it's kind of like whiskey can be like human beings. Some of it can mature very badly. Mm -hmm. Let's face it, we all know an old guy that hasn't matured very well, right? <laughs> There's uh, time's not being kind to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was waiting for the slag in there, Daz. I'm kind of disappointed. No, no, uh, look, I'm not, I'm not going to give it to you when you ask for it, Mitch. Uh, that's not what's happening. <laughs> Uh, but you know, look, I've um, I worked quite a bit on fine and rare whiskies at Macallan, and I tasted quite a lot of those. What's brilliant, I think, um, when you taste some of these whiskies is that you are very aware of what was happening at that particular time. Mm. Uh, so Macallan was running peated malt consistently in 1946, just after the Second World War, because um, it was the local fuel source, and it was the only fuel you could pretty much get at that particular time. So a lot of the distilleries that maybe weren't using that much peat, um, were very reliant on it just after the Second World War. Um, so that 1946 fine and rare um, that, that some listeners may have tried um, is, a, is a rare example of quite a smoky Macallan, um, aged in European oak sherry. So it was really dark, quite rich, quite heavy. It's a, it's a lovely whiskey. You know, it's a really, really nice whiskey. So that, that's a whiskey that I will always kind of remember. And I do remember it more so probably because of the context of what was going on sort of in the world at that particular time. And whiskey was influenced by that, which I think is amazing and magical and all that kind of stuff. I did a lot of work on the Dalmore Decades that was launched a couple of years ago. Um, or maybe it was just last year, actually. I can't remember when it actually went out. But there was obviously about a three or four year project on Decades, you know, in the run up to that. Uh, whiskeys spanning the five decades that Richard Patterson had worked for Whitey Mackay. Um, and that was really cool because you got to try some really nice whiskeys. And interestingly, my favorite whiskey of that collection was not the oldest. I felt the whiskey from the early 80s was absolutely superb from Dalmore. That was a really, really special whiskey and one that I can taste it now, actually, just sort of talking about it. It was really, really brilliant. So, yeah, I mean, it's 
it's one of those is a demand there, isn't there? Um, yeah. And I, I think it's changed a little bit in the way that it's changed. It's probably moved from single bottle, one-off super age statements um, to collections. And there's a number of examples of that. Decades, Constellation, Fine and Rare, Macallan Red Collection. Mm. Um, you know, there's a lot of distilleries are moving into that three or four bottle collection space so that people can follow this journey and explore the differences between the times that these distilleries operated. So many things have changed. The people, Macallan got rid of their direct fire stills 98, no rummagers in the, in the stills after that. It went to standard fermentation times, removed a cocktail of yeasts. You know, there's so many different things all happened in a relatively short space of time as modernization and things took place. So these whiskies, these super aged whiskies that we're talking about today are a snapshot of history. And not to get too morbid, Mitch, I know I'm rambling on, um, <laughs> not to get too morbid, most of the people that put those whiskies or those spirits into casks are no longer with us when we talk about these whiskies. And that, yeah. I'm always mindful of that. Um, I always remember working at Highland Park and we had a good 30, a good 40. And when we tasted a 40-year-old, which was a sensational single malt whiskey, um, I was always mindful that some of the people that worked on this are, are no longer with us, you know, and that's... That's quite magical in some ways because it's a the, the legacy of people you know that worked in the industry that's what's left behind which is amazing yeah see i'm, I'm a little more a little bit more upbeat as i think about what was going on at that time like <laughs> i'm like usually right, it's, well. it's usually you that's the more but <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm thinking more like what was what were, you know music wise what was like number one or what were people listening to at that point in time and uh you know what was going on in the world who was president who's prime minister all that kind of thing and just, i only listen to music from the 80s though you know that well yeah that's yeah. true so you just drink uh, whiskey now from the 80s that's it yeah so there, was, what, there though, wasn't a lot there wasn't a lot made in the 80s that's the problem <laughs> <laughs> i think the thing though does when we first started being brand ambassadors it was quite easy to drink whiskey that was older than us now yes, it's true. definitely getting harder for two reasons. Firstly, we're obviously getting older. Secondly, yeah. because of the fact that that older stuff is more rare and it's definitely more expensive. I mean, do you remember the time when we used to go to Drumure all the time with Diageo? Mm -hmm. And we used to, you walked into that library and it literally was like a library of Diageo liquid there. I remember there being poor Ellen's there, uh, mm. 30, 40 year olds. I think I walked in there once and I'm pretty sure there was a 45 year old. Um, I can't remember what, maybe it was a Glen Ord. Glen Rury. It was Glen Rury Royal. Glen Rury, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, we could just grab that stuff and, and, and pour it out, you know? Can you imagine yeah. that, that happening today? There'd be absolutely no way. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, you've touched on a couple of closed distilleries and distilleries that are no longer here. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, recently I've, I've been tasting quite a lot of Little Mill, which mm. has been really, really interesting. And, and as a lowland distillery, one of these closed lowland distilleries as well, it's a, it's a snapshot into a different era, I suppose. That distillery closed in 1994. I think it burnt down in 2005 and it's now flat, so it's, it's never going to come back. Um, and, and these closed distilleries are always fascinating, aren't they? Because they really do capture the imagination. Um, and I know you have got a nice Port Ellen still knocking about somewhere. Yeah, yeah, in your collection, yeah, yeah. Cheeky wee Port Ellen. But I think it, the other thing is like actually tasting these liquids and um, we, we've chatted about this before and you, you touched on it at the start there. Sometimes it's not always a great experience. Some of the best whiskies I've ever tried, uh, my, one of my top whiskies ever is that Glenfiddich 50 
that I was chatting about earlier on. Yeah. I mean, that was so light. It was so delicate. You still got the distillery characteristics coming through. There was mango. There was pineapple in there. Yeah. It was just so bizarre because you think, you know, half a century in a cask, you're just going to get wood. Mm-hmm. But it just held up so well. And it was all American woods. It was aged in um, just sublime, velvety, smooth on the palate. Uh, unbelievable. So that still goes into to one of the top whiskies I've ever drank. Speaking of which, mate, what are you drinking right now? I think we, we agreed what, to drink some drinking? old shit today. Yeah, yeah, I'm drinking some old stuff. Uh, actually, I'm drinking a Glenfiddich, Mitch. Um, I am drinking a lovely uh, 30, 30 year old Glenfiddich, um, which was in a, a lovely red wine cask for, I'm not sure for how long. Um, I think probably a four or five years or something like that. Um, it was really nice. And as you know, my Glenfiddich preference is always the American oak driven stuff. Um, particularly with aged whiskies, I do love a refill cask um, because you, you, you get a lot more tropical fruit. You, you start getting into floral territories over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the, the time in a refill cask is, 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 a, is a more carefully matured whiskey um, and maybe there's more chance of success. I do think that when you use a first fill European oak cask, which, which we did a lot of at Highland Park and at Macallan, um, wood can become quite dominant quite quickly. The good 100%. news is if, if you're at Macallan, it's a heavy spirit anyway, small yeah. stills, it's quite robust and it ages very well. Dalmore, quite similar, ages very well works across lots of different cast types because of its full-bodied nature. Um, Highland Park's not a particularly heavy spirit. And with time in European, you have to be really careful. So when I look back at some of the best whiskies I tasted from Highland Park, the Bicentenary, the 1977, is a, is a total standout. And I think most people that know Highland Park would say that. But the 1973 travel retail exclusive that used to exist was a refill bourbon uh, hoggy. Um, mm. or American oak hoggy and it was an ad- amazing whiskey I mean uh, oh, proper knock your socks off stuff and it, it stays on your palate forever and um, so this is a, an interesting one from Glenfiddich because of that it is a big influence from red wine still got all that orchard fruit uh, that you always get from a good Glenfiddich um, and it's really it's- interesting that you say that and I totally agree with you and I always remember something that Brian Kinsman said once in a tasting when he was chatting about Glenfiddich He's like, Glenfiddich holds up really well in American wood. It, 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 the, the distillery character is light, as grassy, as fruity. Um, you know, Euro, European wood is just going to really kill that. So one of the reasons why you don't see too many Glenfiddichs just predominantly in sherry cask, what he said was American wood brings out the characteristic of, of uh, Glenfiddich, and then European wood is just added in small amounts to give it a bit of body uh, and a bit of texture. You know, so what you're drinking right now, I agree. That is some of the best Glenfiddich I've ever tried. Uh, lovely 1970, did you say? American yeah. Woods. Yeah. yeah. Can't, can't go wrong with that. Right. So what's been happening in the world, mate? Let's get into some news. Yes. Well, there's a lot going on. There's so much stuff going on right now. I think the big thing that probably everyone's heard of, this was big news across the whiskey world, was the sale of Tormor uh, Distillery to yeah. Sukinda Singh which I'm very happy to see because I don't know how many times I've passed that distillery on the way up to Speyside. And I've always thought that is such a beautiful distillery, I, you know, owned by, per, uh, sorry, yeah, sorry, owned by Perno. And um, it just been sitting there making liquid, but always just got, obviously going into the, to the Shivas blend. 
I, I listened to an interview with Sukinda about this, and he said it's going to take them about a year to get to grips with yeah. all the inventory because they took all the inventory as well. Uh, looking forward to seeing what he's going to do with the visitor center there because I'm assuming that's on the plans mm-hmm. uh, for it. And there's a load of housing around there as well. And I know some of it is now private, mm-hmm. but it'd be interesting to see if any of that housing came with the distillery and if he's going to turn that into anything and in, into any kind of visitor experience or if it'll just be for the staff, you know? Yeah, it's a funny, it's a funny one. It's so well known, isn't it, as a distillery because it's on the road in to Stayside yeah. itself. And um, I read Joel Harrison's um, kind of little summary of of how he felt about it, and and it was it was really good actually, just sort of trying to articulate how unique this building is, this distillery. And I I've always sort of talked about it like a Victorian swimming baths, you know, it, rather than stills being inside that room as you look over uh, past the pond and the fountain and stuff looking in i almost expect to see somebody practicing the trapeze over the swimming pool do you know what i mean that that's the kind of vision i've got in my head yeah. in one of those like old school uh swimming costumes the cotton ones yeah 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 <laughs> the, the, the ones. cotton onesies yeah yeah <laughs> so if sekinda's listening uh, that's what i hope to see when i do come up to visit tor more um but it's a beautiful distillery no question and it's definitely one that if anybody was sort of to point at a distillery and say which is the most beautiful distillery in scotland it would always always be up there for sure yeah. how is the whiskey i actually don't know much about tormor i've tried a couple of bottlings i'd imagine that what they're probably going to do is create something very fruity and vibrant and fresh french market's their main market isn't it i think it's one of the only markets it does go to yeah well i think it was quite telling that he said it's it's going to take them a year to get to grips with the stock you know that tells me there's going to be a bit of re-racking going on with some mm-hmm. of the stocks seeing if they can get you know get some other types of casks to put in there and, and play about and experiment a little bit yeah i wonder if it's i'd imagine it's all gone into bourbon at the moment for blending yeah. um i wonder if we'll see a kind of glenallachy type situation where um you know we know sakinda loves a sherry cask um he's he's a big fan of mccallan from the years gone by and I think he likes his Bowmores and things like that. So it's one of those. I wonder if he'll get his hands on some nice sherry cast to see what Tormore does with those. That'd be interesting. A new distillery um, and a brewery, which is quite cool. Uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce it, I have to say. Um, my my um, As a Pfeiffer, of course, our uh, Gaelic enunciations are pretty brutal. Um, Ulibist? 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 We're both pretty rubbish at that, which is kind of shocking considering apologies to the guys if they are listening um but we must get them on we want to hear about it uh, we definitely want to know what the plans are uh, yeah. a little bit more in detail but it's cool actually because i think up in inverness such a touristic area a great place good to visit inverness great scene up there as well a couple of good whiskey bars and malt room is one of my favorite bars in the whole world i think it's an absolute cracker of a whiskey pub um so that looks like there's another excuse to go up there and have a few more sherries mr Beshard. i'm up for that yeah, man. I think the cool thing about this is when I was reading about it, it sounds like they're going to take their power from the River Ness because yeah. they're going to set up right next to that. So it's cool yeah. to see that whole sustainability part getting you know, put into a new distillery up there. Very small, though. I, I read like 200 casks a year that they're going to be yeah. producing. That's it. Yeah, I heard that. And it and it and it's more kind of um, pilot distillery sort of scale, isn't it? Rather yeah. than sort of like full tilt. Because a lot of the distilleries we have seen being announced are what I would call decent sized distilleries, a couple of million liters possibly a year. You know, that's um yeah, yeah. size of Jura, it's the size of Highland Park. You know, for a new distillery to set up like that is, is quite quite considerable. Yeah. 
And then over to our friends at uh, Glen Scotia, kind of cool yeah. to see Victoriana winning best in class in the San Francisco Spirit Awards, mate. That's a nice probably, one for them. Probably your influence, Mitch, possibly. Probably, yeah. The they, way they you listen to the show. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's cool because for those that that kind of don't know how these these awards work, and I know this one very well because I sat on the panel for uh, three years. It's all done completely blind. You have no idea what you're trying. The only thing you know about is the ABV uh, and the region that is from in Scotland, and that's literally it. So yeah. really cool to see this. This is a great whiskey. We've we've talked about this a load on the show. Um, get you know if you haven't tried. Glen Scotia Victoriana, get out, get a bottle because it's probably going to go up in price after all this hype. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, going from a very old distillery at Glen Scotia to another announcement of a new distillery, which is quite exciting. Um, Martin Murray, uh, owner and distiller at Dunnett Bay Distillers, has got planning permission um, to convert the old mill at Castletown into a whiskey distillery. So um, I'm not sure what their plans are in terms of scale and things like that. But the spot in terms of where it is, is absolutely beautiful. Um, that is going to be a cracker. You know, I'll be really interested to see, you know, what, what they do there because it's a, a beautiful location to be producing whiskey. Um, our last piece of news, uh, and it's great actually because it's a person we know relatively well, a young chap, a very charming young man. Uh, Mr. Finn Thompson has brought back his family name in the business of whiskey, which is super, super cool. Um, many, many years ago, his grandfather, and, and he's got other family members for previous to his grandfather who, who were involved with whiskey, but his grandfather was quite significant in whiskey, um, distributing cask ownership, uh, shareholder in, in various different programs and things like that. And and it's brilliant that, that Finn is now involved with it. And, and he's, rather than starting off at a, you know with a blend or something like that, he's coming right in at the deep end and he's, guns blazing with a 50-year-old Glenlivet, which is quite remarkable. Um, and he's got another a, another a couple of products underneath that as well, and um, Dufftown and uh, lovely North British as well, old single grain, um, and some other bits and pieces too. And I don't know if you've seen the packaging yet, Mitch, but it's really beautiful. It's a, yeah. a nice, um, quite, quite similar in shape, actually, to a Glenfiddich bottle, um, slightly angular as it moves up towards the shoulders. But what's quite special about it is the the nine sides, which represent the nine generations going right the way back to the 1700s, which is what he's traced his family's direct connection to whiskey from, which is brilliant. So um, Very cool. super exciting times for Finn and, and also brilliant, a great, another opportunity to try some of these very rare and aged whiskies because some of these distilleries are not releasing it themselves. And he's got some very old casks to share. And we actually sat down with him today so here's a little snippet from it. Right, right, you can tell you can tell where we've done this, this before, right? This is this is an incredibly slick operation. It, it reminds <laughs> me it reminds me of my two mates who started a a Scottish fantasy football podcast. And my God, that was it was it was a shambles. They invited me on as a guest one time, and honestly, they they had no idea what they were doing. Not that I was saying you have no idea what you're doing. You clearly have a better idea than them. And you guys can hear that episode next week when we drop it and talk to Finn about these really old whiskies, linking into what we're talking about today. How's yeah. that for a segue, Dennis? Another oh, segue. Segways all day. Segway city. So what have you been up to, man? What's been happening in Daz's world? Daz's world. Uh, I've been quite busy. I was up at Glen Turret, um, catching up with Colin, actually, a couple of, well, just last week. Uh, it was brilliant. Really nice. 
uh, they've changed a lot, haven't they, up there? They've done a really, really good job, and I'm really looking forward to getting back up. And, Unbelievable. Um, uh, do you want to hear a fun story? Tell me. Mark, the chef there, the head mm. chef, mm. I was standing next to him, and I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me, and he's going, I know you. And I was like, well, yeah, I, I think I know you too, but I thought it was from Edinburgh, maybe from the bars or something like that. And he's like, no, we worked together. And I was like, when? We actually washed dishes together when we were 17 and 18. No way. My, yeah, yeah, the Tickle Trout in Glasgow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he remembered that? He remembered it, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I could see him. He was sort of staring at me, just sort of trying to figure out, going, that, that's him. And, and, and as soon as he mentioned it, I was like, of course, that makes absolute sense. So um, that's amazing. He must either have an amazing memory or you were such a fanny when you were washing dishes that he remembered that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's most likely. I definitely, <laughs> definitely. So if he if, if he is listening, uh, it did take a few moments for the penny to drop, but as soon as it did, I was like, ah, that's brilliant. Yeah. You, you, that's, that's a, that's a, a good claim to shame, days. by the way. Yeah, yeah, isn't claim, that? claim to fame. You you can say he washed dishes with a Michelin star chef, and I still can't cook toast, and he <laughs> he can cook everything. Um, but that was that was quite surreal at Glen Turret, and it was always good to see Colin up there as well. I was over at Bowmore. Um, doing a couple of wee things for Bomore on their ARC 52, which is another super aged, very special bottling that's um, going to drop later this year. It's all been announced and there's press releases and things like that out there. And it's good, actually. Uh, you talk about distilleries that do well with time. And we mentioned McAllen, Dalmore does well with time. Mm. Old Bomore is quite special, isn't it? Like, I, I don't know how many you've tried, but the Black Bomores are a brilliant example. I always remember the 1957 um bottling that we we had one of the bars here in edinburgh as well which beautiful floral soft integrated smoke almost leathery and tobacco-y you know in terms of its style absolutely yeah, stunning yes. stuff so i was over there um which was good i was back in the aston mate i took the dbx for a little spin around the island saw that saw uh, that nice and i caught I up mean... with abby cleefin as well um over at brooklady um i caught up with her and uh, we had a little dram, and I'll, I'll post a picture of the whiskey that we had. It wasn't an old whiskey particularly, but it was quite unusual. They do these bottlings at the distillery. I don't know if you've seen them, where they have staff members' faces on the bottles, on the labels. So I had one of those, uh, which was really nice. So yeah, has, she, has she got her her name, her face on a bottle? I don't know. Do you know? I didn't ask. I think it, yeah, I think you have to work out the distillery. You know, she's there a lot, so she definitely deserves one if she hasn't had one already. Yeah. yeah. Well, what about you? Well, what's been happening? That, that job. So that's yeah, cool. That's very cool. What's been happening with you? Uh, pretty much been living up in Speyside. A um, lot of stuff going on up there, uh, just with taking people around. It's crazy season right now. So uh, had a little, one of the trips was mind-blowing. We did a canoeing trip down the, the River Spey for the entire day, 10 o'clock in the morning, finished at about 5 o'clock at night. It was about 23 degrees, believe it or not. Everyone right. got sunburnt, whiskey tasting at the end of it. Just incredible. If anyone's going up to to Speyside, look up Spirit of the Spey, uh, book yourself in with David Craig, amazing guy, takes you down the river, knows everything about it, really, really great trip. And it's a great way to see Speyside as well, especially on a day like that. So yeah, doing a lot of that stuff, mate. Uh, back in Edinburgh, actually, I went to a really cool bar. The Virgin Hotel has opened up in Edinburgh, which yeah, is the first one in yeah. Europe. Nice. Uh, bar there is banging, the staff brilliant uh really refreshing to see like a new bar opening up like that having a cool look guys all knowing what they're doing as well and then i just came back from london so i went to an event down there that i can't talk about because it's all embargoed 
but we will have the person Ooh. and the liquid on the show in yeah. a couple of months. And uh, it's so super aged. It's super it's, aged. You can it's say that. related to this episode. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. So uh, that that will be exciting to uh, to get that person on and and talk about that that liquid there, mate. But yeah, it's all been going. Then I leave tomorrow again for Spaceside for the entire week, where we're going to do some crazy stuff up there. Nice, mate. Brilliant. No, it's good to hear. Good to hear. Good good couple of weeks. Well, we've got Finn, don't we, next? We do, mate, yeah. So we're going to drop that episode that we did with Finn today. Uh, yeah. Kind of, again, relating to this this older style of whiskey, and he's going to be talking about his 50-year-old Glenlivet that he's got, all this kind of good stuff. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we're going to do a giveaway as well on Instagram. So if you guys aren't following us on Instagram yet, check us out on Not Another Whiskey Podcast. Yeah. I have to say that now because Daz always forgets the whiskey part. I do. Not another, not, another, not another podcast. Yeah, it's absolutely. Um, yeah. So, yeah, basically, we, we'll, we'll keep you posted on Instagram, obviously, with the, the mechanic of how you can enter and things like that. But because Mitch is such a big deal, he does end up with quite a lot of samples. So um, we figured rather than Mitch uh, stealing them all and, and being greedy, uh, we thought we should share some of them. Um, and actually, I was very fortunate. I was, uh, I was actually at Bunahaven not that long ago. I didn't quite make it for Fej, but I did manage to sneak by and um, caught up with the guys at Bunahaven. And I picked up one of their Fej Isle sample packs, which was really nice, actually. Um, it's got two of the festival bottlings and it's got 12 wheel, which is cool because it means you can sort of bounce between the three and understand the differences and, and stuff like that. So um, things like that, we, we want to be giving them away. We want to share them with the world. So Share the love. Um, stay, yeah, stay tuned. And we're going to start doing that, which is going to be super, super fun. Uh, Mitch, did you say you were going to give away a 50-year-old Glenfiddich? Is that what you said? No, I think you said that. I think Finn said that, didn't he, in the episode? I think Finn might have said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's uh, let's edit that in if he didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he did. I don't think he did. No. Okay, call it. Right. Well, let's call it. Let's call it. Um, look forward to hearing from Finn. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll catch up uh, the episode after that, Mitch, and we'll, uh, we'll let you know more about that as it comes. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers, Dad. May your whiskies be decades old, deep mahogany, and smell like leather-bound books. How about that, Mitch? Brilliant, mate. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs>